Welcome into a special Tuesday edition of Night Shift, episode number 35. And you can follow along with all of our previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're up at Megaphone and GlobalNews.ca as well. Kyle Gamard and Mike Stubbs bringing you all London Knights content and a lot happening from the course of the weekend and lots happening throughout the Remainder of the week as well. You can follow Stubbs on social media at Stubbs980 with two Bs and myself at Kyle Grimard. Mike, it was a busy weekend. Three games in a four-day span and two wins over two very good teams in the Western Conference. Now, you had the top three teams from the London Knights perspective almost playing a round robin. You get the Knights and the Sting for two. The Sting are in third place in the West. The Knights went into the weekend in second place. And then you get Windsor on family day. And the Knights overtake them for first place just by little tiebreaker percentage points. But I think this is what we can expect. These were three one-goal games, and two of them had to go to overtime. If we get playoff series between these teams, this is what it's going to be like. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, which of these teams is going to win? The teams themselves won't be able to determine that. It'll be a coin flip every single game. It is this close. Well, on what you were saying, too, you could pick all three games and flip a coin. And that's basically how you determined a winner. It started on Friday night. The Knights hosted the Sarnia Sting. It was a great matchup back and forth. You know, London cut the lead to make it 3-2 in the third period. But ultimately, uh, Ben Goodrow played phenomenal in that contest. And Sarnia walked away with a 3-2 victory. You then go back and play each other the very next game in Sarnia. And you have a story about this, Mike. But down 3 nothing in the third period... The London Knights roar back with three goals in the third and then an OT winner to take one away from Sarnia. Max McHugh gets it started with a goal from Sean McGurn. George Diaco scores at about 14.55 of the third. Ethan McKinnon scores less than two minutes later. And then Ryan Winterton in overtime, 2.43 in, gives the Knights the win. Mass shoot, stop. Rebound is there and the Knights will pounce on it. Here is Easton Cowan back the other way. Cowan has Winterton. Cowan to Winterton. He scores! He scores! The London Knights come all the way back and win it in overtime. 4-3. We are going to hear from a lot of those names you just mentioned. But Kyle, I want to look at this from a couple of perspectives. So the Knights are in Sarnia. They're down 3-0. The third period begins... There's a drop pass at the blue line that puts a play offside, but it continues. The Knights score. It's reviewed. It's ruled offside. Goal doesn't count. And the Knights have to be looking around and thinking, this is not our night. We are just not meant to win this game. And then Max McHugh pulls a, a Joe Montana Super Bowl moment. So think back to, I think it was the 89 Super Bowl. It was the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals had just gone ahead and they had kicked off and the San Francisco 49ers are on their eight yard line with about two minutes to go in the game. They've got to go 92 yards. And Joe Montana walks into the huddle and he says, hey, look, look down there, look. Look at the crowd. Is that John Candy? And all of the guys look over and they think, what is he talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's John Candy. And he just showed that, hey, this is nothing. We're going to get this done. And they marched 92 yards and Joe Montana hit John Taylor with 34 seconds left. And the San Francisco 49ers won that Super Bowl. Max McHugh had a moment 
like that in Sarnia. It's 3-0, and if we go back to the Friday night, Sasha Pastajov of the Sarnia Sting had scored a goal and had kind of the celebration had gone into the left corner of the Knights' end. And he had bumped with Jackson Edward of the Knights, and Edward just, you know, gave him a little whack with his stick on the shin pad. And Pastajov went down and he his leg and my leg, and he was, you know, uh, he was looking like he was experiencing pain. He ultimately built up a reputation for that, unfortunately. It's it's, a lot of teams and players have come to know it. And that's like there's there are many phenomenal players that have come through, whether it's OHL or NHL or anything in between. That, you know, Michael Bunting of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's getting a little bit of reputation. Alexei Kovalev, phenomenal hockey player. The wrist shake in the playoffs against the Boston Bruins and Boston goes down the ice and scores. Exactly. And so you've got Sasha Pastajov, who is appearing hurt. You've got Jackson Edward, who goes to the penalty box for a slash. They put Pastajov in for embellishment. And so Max McHugh is taking a face off at center ice. It's 3 nothing Sarnia. And... He just simply says to Sasha Pastajov, your, your leg okay? And he kind of, you know, reaches down, points to the leg and just, just making sure it's okay. And it was just this moment where Max was showing, hey, you guys might be winning 3 nothing, but you don't have us. Like, we're not flapped at all. We, we're in this. And then that same shift, Max McHugh goes down the ice, killing a penalty, and Sean McGurn steals a puck in behind the net, centers to McHugh, and he scores. And then the Knights just kept coming from there. But it was the whole, hey, you know, we're we're not worried. Yeah, we're uh, we're down three nothing, but we're not worried. We have the ability to come back. And you'll hear this from the guys in just a minute. Trusting what the coaches have told them, trusting the system that they play, and it wound up working. That is something that is instilled within the team. It is a culture. It's an environment. It is not just something that over time, I I just feel like that's something that has been instilled into the brains of the London Knights where it doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what the scenario or situation is. They, they look like this year they're unflappable. And a guy like Max McHugh is the perfect advocate for something like this because that's the attitude he brings to the lineup. It is, you know, we've got this. And this is a trait that we've seen in other teams. And you can go back to almost an exact same scenario. In 2013, the London Knights are taking on the Oshawa Generals. And Max Domi and Bo Horvat are playing for the London Knights. And the game on Saturday actually was further along. But Max and Bo are sitting side by side on the bench. And it's three to nothing for the Oshawa Generals. And it's in the third period. And it's approaching the midway mark of the third period. And Max looks around and he says, hey, Bo, look around this building. Bo says, what are you talking about? He says, look, there's thousands of people here. Bo says, yeah, there's always thousands of people here. We have really, really great fans. Max says, no, no, look, there's thousands of people here watching us. And they didn't come here to see us lose. Max hops (laughs) over the boards and goes and scores and makes it 3-1. 
And then Max scores again. And then in the final minute of the third period, Bo Horvat scores to tie it. And then in overtime, Seth Griffith wins it. The Knights did the same thing, came back from a 3-0 deficit. But the thing that they shared in common was that, yeah, 10 minutes left, down by three. You know what? We're going to give this a go. We're going to trust ourselves. We're going to trust what we do. We're going to see if we can get this done. They did it with Max and Bo, and they did it on Saturday night in Sarnia. Yeah, Max and Sean and two of the leaders on that one. And you had a chance, Mike, to actually catch up with four of the guys. So uh, McGurn, McHugh, Ryan Winterton, and George Diaco. And it was a very rare interview where you had all four guys at the same time giving you some feedback on the game. Well, we came outside after the game. So this is minutes after this has happened. And these guys are still fired up. (laughs) And three of them wound up just being in a group and so i said hey do you guys want to talk about what just happened and sure enough yeah they did so it's max McHugh. you'll hear first then george diaco then sean mcgurn and then ryan winterton jumped in as well because he was just coming out of the building so that's how soon after the game it is you'll even hear the bus in the background and we started off with max McHugh and what it was that made them think they could still get this done. I mean, to be honest, we're still confident. And I mean, after the second period, uh, we were all confident in the room that, you know, if we just stick to what Dale wants us to do, that we'll end up winning this game. And, um, you know, we, we did what we wanted to do there in the third, and um, we got it done. You snag a puck, shorthanded. What happened? Well, it was a good breakout pass there by Mayu. Just missed, uh, just missed Sean, and then... I mean, good work by Sean there to get it down low, and then I just had an open net, and uh, uh, you won't get goals easier than that. And then, George, five minutes and five seconds left. You just seemed to will the puck into the net. Yeah, I was... Um, at, that ta- at that time of the game, uh, down 3-1, you got to shoot everything and make sure everything gets on net, and luckily just uh, sipped through there and we got the goal. Sean, at that point, how is the momentum rolling? I mean, we were really confident, like Q said, on the bench. So, especially after those two quick ones, we knew uh, we had a good chance to come back. Ethan McKinnon scores. What kind of a shot was that? I mean, we see it all the time in practice. He's a good player. We knew he had it in his bag. So, uh, we're happy you brought it out for the for the tying goal. And then overtime, Ryan Winterton and Easton Cowan going down the ice. Basic two-on-one. Ryan, take us from there. Yeah, he made a good play. I mean, we've had a couple before that that didn't turn out too well, but... Um, you know, thankfully that one turned out well and put the puck in the net. Did you see a hole? I did, and uh, so yeah, I shot it there and then did the heartbreaker. We <laughs> Ryan Winterton, listen to the that's how they are. These guys, they're just they're that excited to play not just that game, every game. This team is really tight, and that's another good thing going forward. And let's face it, we're going to talk about Monday's game. And that was another game in which they were trailing in the third period and things didn't go their way. You tie the game, Windsor goes ahead. You have to tie the game again. And the Knights once again found a way. Does it happen every single time? No, it doesn't. But I think we saw a good weekend this weekend where the Knights proved to themselves and every team wants to do this. You want to prove you can do it and you will always doubt yourself until you're put into situations like this where you have an opportunity to say, "Okay, can we get it done? And if you can't, you're not going to believe you can. But the Knights did it on back to back days. Well, and that's the thing, Mike, is once you do it once you got that belief in there that if we've done it before, we can do it again. And I think from Saturday's game where we were down three, nothing against Sarnia in the third, 
we can come back from 2-1 and 3-2 down here against Windsor. And that's what happened. And I got to give a big shout out. Jacob Julian, my goodness, this guy has become a player. Seven points in his last seven games. He had two goals, his sixth and seventh of the season. His second of the game tied the game with less than five minutes to go. And then Denver Barkey. I've praised this kid a whole lot here before, but his first goal, the Knights are down two to one. Windsor's on a power play. You're thinking, man, if Windsor scores here, it's going to be a tough uphill batter. Denver Barkey gets a phenomenal pass from Ryan Winterton, who had two assists in this game as well, goes in and makes the most confident forehand or backhand forehand in motion shot to beat Matanushka, ties the game at two, and then his game winner from Ryan Winterton afterwards, again, a beautiful saucer pass cross ice, and he puts it five hole. Denver Barkey has been a player this season. He's got 19 goals on the year. He's got 33 assists. He's up to 52 points in 53 games. He has become one of the go-to guys for this team lately. And we talk about confidence. And there was a moment in January where Denver Barkey's confidence maybe wasn't where it is now. And it dealt with, this is his draft year. You've got draft rankings coming out. And then the top prospects game was happening and he wasn't playing in the top prospects game. And he starts to wonder, you know, am I good at this game? And then he gets added to the top prospects game. That's how close he was. So one injury and boom, he is in. He didn't know that the the top prospects game does not tell you, well, here is the, you know, the list of guys that we could have brought and here's where you rent. They don't do that. So he winds up in the top prospects game goes, has a good game. And then comes back and his confidence has only been growing and he knows he can be a difference maker. He's known that all along. He's known that his whole life. And now he's able to go out and make those differences, make those plays. And you've got so many guys on the nights who are doing it. And you mentioned Jacob Julian. Oh. Look at look at him on face-offs yesterday. Face-offs against Windsor. He had eight 10 face-offs two. that he took. He was eight and two. Eight yeah. and two. And if you add that element to his game, that line yesterday, and it was one that had never played together before. It was Max McHugh, it was Brody Crane, and it was Jacob Julian. They'd never played together before. Something told Dale Hunter, I'm going to put these guys together, and I'm going to play them a lot. And we'll find out. I've got to find out before the start of next game. That's uh, Here's a mission. I'll get the answer. What was it that told the coaches, we got to put those guys together? And we're going we're gonna to play them a lot. What was it? Because that made a real difference in the game against Windsor. Gosh, did it ever. And and like you mentioned, Jacob Julian became a guy on face-offs that the coaching staff could rely upon. They can also rely upon Max McHugh. He's not a stranger. He used to be one of the go-to guys. I think still is a go-to guy for face-offs, especially in the defensive end. And, you know, the Knights have all of a sudden got a plethora of guys that you can go to. Sean McGurn was 18 and four on Monday in the faceoff dot. Uh, Denver Barkey this year, he's gone from 300 faceoffs taken last year in 53 games to 615. So he's doubled the amount of faceoffs. And by the way, Denver Barkey is 54% in the faceoff dot this year. I just did the math on it. He's almost quadrupled his points in the same amount of games. Jacob Julian started the year with, uh, I believe he's up to 12 points on the year. In his last seven games, 
He has seven points. So we only had five points before the seven game stretch and he has really turned it on. Max McHugh has been great. We got a tweet yesterday saying that since he's come back from a, a lower back injury, they'd be playing through. He's been on fire. So everyone's starting to figure out one, their roles, how to contribute and are making a difference each and every night. That's it. That's it. Ryan Rossillo, who does podcasts, he's worked for ESPN. He was talking about the Houston Rockets and he said, Teams have to go through this. Some teams will get there. The Houston Rockets have guys who haven't figured out their roles yet. And once a team figures out their role, a player figures out their role, that team is so much better because you've got people who are happy in the place that they are, knowing, hey, you know what I do best? I do this, and I'm going to do that for this team. And it happens when we see Olympic teams put together. It happens when we see world junior teams put together in hockey. You're bringing together so many players. And talk to anybody who's played on an Olympic team, has played in old Canada Cups. You bring guys together and they realize, okay, I'm not necessarily going to be the, the number one power play guy. I'm not going to be out there. I'm not going to be taking one-timers at the top of circles. That's not me. But here's what I am going to do. And here's what I am really good at. And I'm going to do that. And it's going to help me win. And it's going to help our team win. And so that's the thing that you want to have. And we've really seen the Knights round into that, where you've got guys who are embracing the roles that they are in. And it helps them to be one of the best teams in the league. Yep. And they uh, currently sit tied with Windsor in points, but because they have two more regular season wins, they have that advantage. We mentioned it on after the buzz of the postgame show we do after every night's home game that at the end of the season, it comes down to wins first. If teams are tied with points and if wins are identical, it then moves to a head to head matchup. So as of right now, the London Knights have two more wins. So if the season ended today, the London Knights would officially be in first place in the Western Conference. I do want to bring this up real quick, too, because Zach Bowen, once again, he won his 15th consecutive game as a rookie. Zach Bowen right now is one win shy of tying Matt Vallalta for the most consecutive wins by a rookie goaltender. Matt Vallalta in the 2016-2017 season with the Sioux Greyhounds won 16 consecutive games to set an OHL record. Zach Bowen right now is sitting at 15. Crazy. And you know who else is on that list in the top three? Brett Brochu. <laughs> He's at 13. So Brett Brochu has moved into with his victory. Uh, he's moved into the tie for number two with Gene Shirello for all-time yep. wins by the Knights. But yeah, he had 13 wins in a row in that wild rookie season that he had. And now Zach Bowen, he's at 15, knocking on the door of tying the all-time record. Wild. It's like when a team goes from one quarterback who's a, an all-star pro bowler and then they move on to another team and they've got another quarterback ready to go who then also becomes an all-star and a pro bowler each and every year. It's like the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. You go from, uh, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs went from, uh, I think it's Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was a pro bowler, went to the playoffs for three consecutive years. And then they bring in Patrick Mahomes and they're winning Super Bowls. So it's it's a nice luxury to have from the Knights to go to Brett Brochu. And eventually, after his career is done, Zach Bowen's going to be waiting in the wings. And he has done more than enough here. 
we'll just quickly tie this in because I know, Mike, we're going to talk about this more on the podcast later on this week, but there's one more home game for the Knights before an eight-game road trip. It's this Friday. It's once again against Sarnia, and then the Knights do not return home until March 17th. No, the schedule down the stretch is not easy. I mean, if you look at what the Knights have done in the last week, they have beaten Kitchener, they have beaten Sarnia, and they've beaten Windsor. They have a loss to the Sarnia Sting in that mix. But those are arguably the other three best teams in the Western Conference. I know Kitchener keeps finding ways to lose games. They did it on the weekend. They lost two that if you talk to them, they would say, yeah, we probably should have won those games. Still not quite sure what's going on there, and neither are they. They cannot find consistency in Kitchener despite a loaded roster, but they are still a really dangerous team, and the Knights beat three of four. They've got another game against Sarnia. They go to Owen Sound. They have to go to Guelph. Guelph plays the Knights tough. Owen Sound is a tough place to play in, and it is all part of the start of eight straight on the road because the Briar moves in. They start making curling ice on February 26th at Budweiser Gardens. So, yeah, lots away, and as much as you know, it, it is a, a tough schedule, this will be good for the Knights. They've got a, an extended road trip that will take them through Barrie and Sudbury and North Bay, lots of hotel time, lots of time with the team. And this team, they can't get enough of hanging out together. So that will just help to galvanize before we head into the final weeks of the season. Now, they love hanging out with one another as obvious in Mike, your, your latest interview with, we had four guys at once all joining in and having a great time and that's just the build of this team this year. Also want to remind you, this coming Wednesday, February 22nd, is the London Knights Skills Competition. It is free if you want to come check it out and see the best, very best of the London Knights going through some drills, some contests, hardest shot, they're going to do accuracy, all the fun stuff. Doors open at 6pm and it starts at 7pm at Budweiser Gardens. Just go to the uh, London Knights social media pages for more details and information but it's free you can bring your family can have a good time go with buddy do whatever the case may be should be a lot of fun i did also mike promise i would say this on the podcast shout out to Knights TV host, uh, Taylor Sconiatis, who has been crushing it with the social media page and everything like that. She has been providing us with snacks as we've been going through all these games. And she brought these little candies, Mike, called High Chews. I cannot get enough of them, but she said to, to mention it. And I got to bring some to you for the next game because you'll be hooked, Mike. They're phenomenal. High Chews. High Chews. And it's, it's not inedible or anything like that. It's just what they're called. And I'd never heard of them before. They're like a healthy fruity snack or whatever. They are as addicting as they sound. They are incredible. I'm in. I said I'd do it. I said I'd do it in the show, but uh, she's fantastic with Nights TV. She does a bunch of the night socials as well. You can follow us on socials and all of our pages at Stubbs980 on Twitter, at Kyle Grimard, and then Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts for all the latest episodes. We're up to 35 now, 36 coming later on this week, Mike. Looking forward to it. We will preview what will be a loaded weekend, another game against the Sarnia Sting. Here's the part about that. They have the battle of the 402, the Finch Cup, we've been calling it. The Knights need one point, one point out of the final two games against the Sting. They could get it Friday night and clinch that inaugural regular season title between the two teams. Wow. Fantastic stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch here, and uh, we'll see you later on this week. 